first off, I want to welcome all the fifth graders on this fifth grade, fifth Sunday. So welcome to being part of the worship service today. And just like you guys are studying Proverbs, we're doing that in this room as well. And so as as I start this sermon, I have this handy dandy white bag that I got from across the street and it hasn't broken yet. So that's good. But within there, there are some things that maybe you absolutely love or you maybe do anything you can to avoid it. All right. You're like, that's not what I want. I have some bottles of water. All right. And so I don't know how many of you would consider yourself a water drinker. How many of you are like, oh, I only need it when I absolutely have to drink something. But within here, some of you maybe picked up one of these on your way in. Okay. And so it's going to help you to get through the service. It is Sam's purified water. So Sam, thank you for that. Okay. And so maybe you're choosing to drink that. Some of you look at that and you're like, man, that's like communion water. Like I can down that in one swig. And so like for you in a day, you need something like this size. All right. And you can buy pure life. I mean, that sounds good. And that's the kind of life you're supposed to have. So maybe that's the brand that you buy. Maybe you're like, you know, those just sound like too easy. I'm a little more of an exotic person. And so you could drink water from Fiji. All right. So you could buy that. Um, There it is. I don't know. It tells a bunch of electrolytes. I was reading about it. I don't know if I believe it, but maybe. Okay. Maybe though you're in a spot where you have a test that you're about to take, or you have a big project that you need. And so these just aren't going to cut it and you need to invest in some smart water. All right. That will help you with whatever you're about to, to go with. Maybe you look at all of these and you're like, that costs too much money. Like even though it's a dollar 74 cents, you're like, that is too expensive. And so I prefer to get my water from the sink and that's what you're going to drink. All right. And so even as I look at all of those things, all of those waters are different. Like some of them are more expensive. Some of them may be more desirable than others. And I'm not endorsing or speaking poorly against any, just depending on your choice. Some go through many filtrations, whereas others maybe don't. Some come from far away, whereas others were just a few steps into the kitchen. You know what? But every single one of these, they're simply water. It doesn't matter what shape the bottle is in. It doesn't matter the size of the bottle. It doesn't matter what the label says or how pretty they make it. Essentially, all of these are water. They're basically the same on the inside. And the same is true with you and I as people at our core. It doesn't matter what label you wear or what you try to be. Our hearts are all pretty much the same on the inside. You and I, each of us, is a sinner. All of us are sinners. That's why the Bible talks so much about the heart. You'll never hear the Bible talk about changing your label or changing your appearance because throughout the Bible, it talks about this idea that we have to change our heart. Christianity has nothing to do with how you appear, but everything with who you are. The truth is though, your heart does not change on its own or even simply by trying harder. It changes because we allow Jesus to change it. So if you have your Bibles or your device, open it up to Proverbs chapter 20. Again, there's going to be some verses that we jump around at, but I'm going to give you time to be able to do that. I love hearing the pages turn Proverbs 20. While you're turning there, let me tell you just a little bit more about the subject of the heart. The word heart appears in some form over 900 times in the Bible. And I counted in the book of Proverbs, there are 83 of those. So if something is in your Bible 900 times, you got to figure it's pretty important. But here is the problem. And we read about it in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9. Here's what the verse says. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure. I am clean and without sin. 
Like Solomon says, when we're looking at our heart, who of us can say, my heart is still pure? The answer is no one. Like none of us can say that because of sin. It is by nature that we're sinners and also by choice. We have all chosen that route. But the big question is, well, why do we do those things? Like why do we sin? And the Bible says it's ultimately because of the sin nature that started way back in Genesis with Adam. In Romans 5, it tells us that because of one man's sin, the whole world fell. The root of all sin is within our heart. The heart, it's the center of who we are. It's the essence of us. It's why you'll hear people say, well, we just need to get to the heart of the matter, or you need to speak from the heart. It's more than a physical organ. It is the fundamental core of your being. And in the book of Proverbs alone, like the connection to the heart is with a number of things like understanding and faith and obedience and rebellion, things like purity and foolishness and anxiety and hope and joy and grief and happiness and friendship. And actually the list is about three times that long, but I know if I said them all, you wouldn't be paying attention by the end, but just understand that the heart is connected to so many different things. Now, as I say that, I want you to picture something for me. Think about your junk drawer at home. Okay, I want you to think about your junk drawer. Where is your junk drawer at home? Is it next to your bed? Is it in the kitchen? Is it in the laundry room? Is it in your garage? Maybe you have multiple junk drawers. Can you even see the state of your junk drawer right now? Like maybe you don't even want to open the drawer because something's going to fall out or get caught on above, you know, the thing above it. Maybe you plan to move some things later, or maybe you just don't know where to put something. So yeah, it's going to go in the junk drawer. That's kind of like our heart, that everything goes in our heart. Things that are good, things that are bad, things that maybe don't make a lot of sense at the moment, Maybe certain ways that you think about yourself or things that other people say about you. We put them all away in our heart. And those things then shape what we choose to do. They affect what we say and who we say it to. So I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19. That's our next verse we're looking at. But in scripture, the heart is everything. Like God tells Samuel that he doesn't look at the outward appearance like man does. He looks at the heart. And you and I, we can trick other people into making them think that we're a certain type of person, but God knows who we all are at our core. And even if you are temporarily able to convey an image which is not yourself, listen to what Solomon says in 2719. It says, as water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. This reflection, your heart what is in your heart is who you really are. So what do we do with all this? Like we're talking about the heart. What is it we should do? And from the book of Proverbs, there are two big action steps that we should take when it comes to our heart. And the first is this. We need to guard your heart. All right. Each of us needs to guard our own heart. A verse I want to look at to kind of back this up. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I think this is the only Proverbs verse in this section. Proverbs 4, 23 that we're looking at. And here's what Solomon writes. He says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
And above all else, guard your heart. If the heart really does show who we are, you and I, we need to guard it. We need to protect it. We need to make sure that we know what we're putting in the junk drawer. And not just putting in, but we need to know what we're allowing to stay in that junk drawer. Because your heart will be an ever-flowing source of something in your life. And you get to decide whether that will be fresh water or whether that will be sewage. There is a direct cause and effect with what we set our hearts on and what results happen in our life. And whenever there's an issue in someone's life, oftentimes what we first uh, think about is behavior modification. Like maybe you'll have a leader tell you, well, you just need to act differently or you need to prioritize things differently. Maybe you'll have a parent that tells you, well, you just need to do what's right. Maybe you'll have a teacher that just says, you need to just get your homework done. And so sometimes we automatically begin to think that God wants the right behavior from us. Now understand, he does desire the right behavior from us. Man, he truly delights when that action comes because of a heart change. Because we get it. I read a story about a wife who loved to make cakes. And I don't know if that's many of you, but there were always cakes in their house. So the husband, he loved eating cakes. Kids, they loved eating the cakes. They even had a dog named Titus. He loved eating the cakes as well. Well, one day there was a cake that was totally done. It was iced. It was sitting on the countertop. And in a moment that the wife wasn't looking, you can probably see where we're going, Titus jumped up and he snatched a big old bite right out of the side of that cake. The husband was in the other room and he heard his wife scream and he came running in and he saw the cake there with side of it falling apart and all slobbery. So he thought he'd be funny. And he kind of said, hey, we could just ice back over it and no one's going to know. And he found out pretty quickly that was not the thing to say. (laughs) She did not think that was so funny. But the truth about the cake is, no matter how much they would try to smooth out the cake, no matter how much icing they would try to put on it, the inside would still be the same. And only addressing behavior is like spreading icing on a rotten, slobbery cake and calling it good because it looks pretty. Or it's kind of like treating the symptoms of a disease, but not really dealing with the true problem. And in life, we have to go to the heart. It's impossible to have a positive life with a negative heart. Our behavior is determined by our heart. And so if we want to change our behavior, we have to start by changing our heart. Like if you want to repent, don't just repent of your actions, but repent of the heart issue that caused those actions. You know what? Diets don't work unless your heart really wants to change. And in the same way, repentance doesn't work unless it goes deep in your heart. And so maybe you're even sitting there, maybe coming in today, and you're just like, ah, I want to stop lying, or I want to stop cheating. Like, I wish I could just stop looking at pornography, or I want to stop gossiping. I don't want to hate anymore. I don't want alcohol to have, like, this hold on me. So if those things are true, what heart change needs to happen in your life? It's simply more than just saying, I want to stop. It really is about asking God to help you change your heart. But then you have a key role in winning the battle. You have a key role by allowing certain things to enter your heart and guarding it from other things and choosing what is it you are going to dwell upon. You and I, we have to guard our hearts from the evil things because God wants us to be more than a good person. He wants our worship and worship always starts 
with the heart. And Jesus knew this problem. In fact, he even said, if you have a lust problem, um, it's actually a heart issue. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, he says, if you lust after someone in your heart, you've already committed adultery with them. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so most of the time, you don't have money problems and you don't have debt problems. The real issue is a heart problem. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you get your anger or your language or your attitude under control by first getting your heart under control. In fact, Jesus called the Pharisees these whitewashed tombs because they were so concerned with their outer appearance and how other people saw them, but not what was going on on the inside. So we have to guard our hearts from the evils and the temptations of this world and of Satan. And there will be times that those things come in slowly, one at a time that you're battling off. And then there will be other times where these worldly things come all at once, hard and heavy, and you have to protect your heart. I want you to understand that guarding your heart is of utmost importance. Do not let evil take up residence within the core of who you are. And so guarding our heart, that is the defense. But defense isn't enough to win the battle. Like imagine any sports team you can, if they worked all day, every day, only on defense, they'd be really good at defense, but they wouldn't win a whole lot of games. And so not only do you and I have to guard our heart, but we also must guide your heart. We have to guide our hearts. In Proverbs, we're said, hey, you need to guard your heart from sin, but you also need to guide your heart towards God, towards his ways. Let's look at some different verses. Three of them actually come from chapter 23 of Proverbs. So turn to chapter 23. And within this section, uh, Solomon writes a little bit about this idea of, of guiding our hearts to where it needs to go. The first verse we're going to look at is chapter 23, verse 12. 23, verse 12. It says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about wisdom and how important it is. Well, here it says you must guide your heart to seek that wisdom. It's not going to come by accident. You need to guide your heart to being able to learn these things. But then if we jump down five verses to verse 17, it says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. And so last week, we again looked at that verse with this idea of the fear of the Lord. But here it's saying, you have to direct your heart not to desire those things, not to follow down those paths. And even two verses later, in verse 19, Solomon says, listen, my son, and be wise and direct your heart on the right path. Like we need to know the ways of God. We need to direct our heart to following after him. Be purposeful about making sure that you are on the right path. Another verse I want to look at is chapter 7, verse 25. So we're going to flip back a little bit. Chapter 7, verse 25. And while you're turning there, I will tell you that this section is about someone they just call the adulteress, all right? Someone that is leading someone into adultery, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But chapter 7, verse 25, as we're looking about guiding our hearts, this is what Solomon says. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. So as I said, in three weeks, when we talk about sexual purity, we're going to look at that more. But for now, I simply want you to see that you have a choice. 
you have a choice when it comes to guiding your heart and not letting it go anywhere near her or her destructive ways or any destructive path. You guide it to staying on the correct path. In fact, there's a couple more verses that talk about the importance of guiding our hearts. Turn to chapter 19, verse 21. By the end of the series, you're going to know Proverbs really well. <laughs> chapter 19, verse 21 is where we're turning. It says this, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I wonder how many times we've had plans and then God says, this is what's actually happening. And so with that, I think that there's just this importance of making sure that we are guiding our heart to the ways of God so that he can be the one to even lead our plans. Go two chapters later, chapter 21, verse 2. Proverbs 21, verse 2. This one seems similar. But here's what it says. All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. You see, we want to make sure that we are guiding our hearts towards God so that we might be doing his will because sometimes every single one of us can be blinded. Like we can be blinded because we're only focusing on our desires, our hopes, our plans. This is what I want. And the enemy, he will use anything and everything he can to get our hearts from the path that it's supposed to be on to any other path. You know what? When you think about someone who hijacks a plane, every life on board is headed for destruction as long as they're in control. And when you let the enemy hijack your heart, it can lead your entire life toward destruction. And that's why it is so important to guide our hearts away from the enemy and towards God. In Proverbs, there's even some verses that kind of warn against what happens if we don't do that. So we're going to look at three of them. The first is in chapter 16, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. says these words. The Lord detests all the proud of heart, be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. You know, there are other sections in Proverbs that talks about God detesting those with a perverse heart or even a heart that devises evil schemes. And so hearts that are on this path, they are headed toward destruction. Turn over to chapter 19, verse 3. Proverbs 19, verse 3. says this, a man's own folly ruins his life, and yet his heart rages against the Lord. I read that one and thought about it for quite a while. And just how often do you see people when they feel the consequences of their own choices, but instead of taking any ownership, they are quick to blame God? Like, why is this happening? Even though they were never following him in that, maybe in their life completely or even in that area, they're quick to blame him instead of looking at their own choices. And so that type of thing doesn't happen when we're guiding our heart towards God and his ways. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean I said you'll never be mad at God or you'll ever ask, God, why is this happening? There may be those spots, but it's not going to be in that moment because of my own sin. God, I am angry at you because we are guiding it towards the path that we're supposed to be on. One more verse in this section is chapter 28, verse 14. Proverbs 28, 14. It says, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, 
but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. You know, those who end up hardening, hardening their hearts, they're like, I am right. And God, you have no idea what you are doing in this situation. If your heart becomes that hard, you will follow a path that does not lead to anywhere good. And so you and I, we need to be on the offensive and guide our hearts towards God. But what exactly does that mean? Like, how do we do that? Well, here's four ways. One of them is we need to look to what God wants. We need to see what is it that God really wants? Well, how do we do that? Well, we could talk about looking to his word and praying and listening to the Holy Spirit. Like when I open up the word of God, I see who God is. I see what he loves. I see truth from him and what that means for me. We talk about prayer. Like think about any other relationship you have. The more conversations you have with someone, it helps you to get to know them. And when you pray, you are having conversations with the Almighty and you get to know who he is. And in turn, it helps you to understand who you are. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we plug into his power. He is living inside of us if we have chosen him. And so we follow his leading and his conviction and we experience his peace. And how do I know what to do? I'm going to look to what God wants. A second thing I would tell you is that we need to spend time with godly friends. We need to surround ourselves with positive influences. And again, we'll look at this in a few weeks from Proverbs. But good connections, man, they often encourage you to stay on the right path. And if you have someone that's a close enough, a good enough friend, they will call you out when you walk off that path. Here's the third thing that I think we need to do is not trust ourselves. Don't trust yourself. And that may sound crazy because you hear people say, well, you simply need to follow your heart. You simply need to trust yourself. But Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know what? If this verse is true, then maybe we shouldn't always just follow our heart. Like you never know what things in the junk drawer are influencing the decision that you are making at that moment. And so instead of simply just trusting yourself, we need to seek the Lord in his ways. Here's the fourth thing I would tell you. We need to delight yourself in what God loves. The things that he loves, may we delight in. The last verse that we're looking at in Proverbs today is Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. So you can turn there, our last one, chapter three, verses five and six. As we're talking about delighting ourselves in what God loves, Here's what Solomon says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's a verse that's kind of similar in Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, what happens is when we allow God to take up residence in our heart, we give him complete control. You get new desires. It's not about the things that you don't get to do anymore. It's about the things that you do get to do. And those things, his desires slowly become things that you are passionate about as well. And so guide your heart towards him. Make him the greatest. Make him the biggest. Make him the most exciting, the most important thing in your life. And no longer will you bounce back and forth between these shallow temperatures desires. Instead, you will have these deep desires that will last forever. So guide your heart towards those things. Our heart, they can cause you to either see Jesus very clearly, 
or you see him, but he's pretty blurry, or you don't see him at all. So we are called to guard our hearts and to guide it well. So having said that, let me ask you a question this morning. How's your heart? How's your heart? And if that, the answer to that question isn't really what you want, like you don't want to go around telling everyone that, there's some great news. That in Ezekiel 36, 26, God tells his people, I will take away your heart of stone. I will take away this heart that is full of death, and I will give you new hearts if you accept it. I will take away this heart of sin and selfishness and give you a heart that is full of love and joy and peace. And this new heart, it brings about the life that God wants you to have, one that is in relationship with him. This new heart, it's more than just filtering out some of the sin from the old heart. He completely dumps it out and gives you a new heart, and he places his spirit within you. And then the transformation process begins, and that new heart, the one that Jesus gives us, that's the one that then we need to keep pointing towards God, towards God and guarding it from sin. But here's one last thing I want you to hear this morning. It's okay for you to not be okay. What I mean by that, sometimes we come in and we sit and we look around and we're like, but everyone else, like, I think they've, (laughs) I look at their social media and everything's got to be perfect. And like, you just feel like maybe you don't measure up. Can I tell you, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, you don't even have to act like everything is perfect because none of us are. Like, even if you've given your heart to Jesus and he's given you this new heart, there are times that hatred can come in or jealousy or you name it. It can be in your heart right now. And God can work on you if you allow him to. In fact, he will meet you right where you're at. You don't have to clean up anything first. All you simply need to go is, Jesus, I need you. Can you help me with this? But even though I told you that it's okay not to be okay, It is not okay to stay that way. If you stay in that state, this one that is full of darkness and pain, your heart will lead you down paths that you do not want to go. So the great news is, like Jesus says, I want each of you to know that I died for you. I came to give you a new heart. I came to give you this new life. I came to make you free from bondage as we heard in our communion meditation. But he doesn't make you. He doesn't make you choose him. It is your choice. But I will tell you this, that if you never choose to give him your heart, if you never choose to follow after him and allow him to save you, then what you're doing is simply adding more icing to a pretty messed up cake. All you're doing is continuing to throw more and more things in the junk drawer that really will not help you. And so our hearts, they really do drive everything in life. And so let Jesus give you a new heart and then intentionally guard it and guide it. And those things do not happen by accident. You have to be purposeful. But if the heart reflects the man, as scripture says, then the results of doing these things will change everything about your life. Let's pray. Father, as we continue just diving into Proverbs and looking today specifically at the heart, like we first off just say thank you. 
Like it's tough for us to grasp what it means to have a completely new heart, but you do things that we cannot do ourselves. And so I am thankful for making us new. God, I'm thankful that we get to put on your righteousness and I'm thankful that we get to be with you for eternity. Father, I'm praying for those watching online, those sitting in this room who have never given their hearts to you and whether they can fully uh, enunciate uh, what's going on in their lives. God, they're living in the bondage that sin has got a hold of them. And I pray that they would step out in faith and be able to choose you and the freedom that you have for them to experience. God, for so many of us in here that have chosen you, and maybe there's some things that you have been speaking to us today. Maybe we've only been guarding our hearts like halfway and we allow certain things in and it's taken up root. God, help us not to allow those things in. Father, maybe we're not purposely guiding our hearts and we're just kind of just going with the flow and seeing where that leads. God, we want to experience this life that you have for us and we want to do it together. So may we encourage each other to stay on the right path and experience what you've got for us. So God, we look forward to being with you again. But may you continue to work and may it be evident to everyone around us that our hearts have changed because of you. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.